all you seeking souls, truth seers, and out of the box thinkers, welcome to the podcast. We are It's a Sign, and thank you for tuning in to our channel where we navigate the cosmos and unearth the mysteries of the universe right from our house. I'm thrilled for today's topic, the sun's latest antics and how it's set to shake up our world, quite literally. You heard it right folks, Indian astronomers have sounded the alarm on an impending solar storm, potentially strong enough to throw our entire global internet into chaos. And no, we're not talking about the plot of your next binge-worthy Netflix series. This is real science unraveling the mysteries of the sun's magnetic field and its sunspot cycle. And with the solar maximum expected to peak earlier than NASA predicted in early 2024, we're looking at a scenario that could mirror, or dare I say it, eclipse the infamous Carrington event of 1859. God, that's a chilling comparison, Helki. For those <laughs> unfamiliar, the Carrington event was the most intense geomagnetic storm on record, causing widespread telegraph disruptions and even fires. Can you imagine the kind of chaos that would drive in today's tech-driven world? But it's not all doom and gloom. The same solar activity that threatens our infrastructure also gifts us with the breathtaking auroras and the opportunity for the next step in consciousness. So while we brace ourselves for potential disruptions, there's a silver lining for the spiritual minded and those who break away from tech's hold on our mind. And speaking of preparations and technological scares, NASA has designed an AI powered model offering a 30-minute head start on solar storm warnings. It's like a tornado siren, but for space weather, combining AI with satellite data to predict where and when a storm will hit. NASA and a lot of the world will have us running in fear to our non-existent bunkers that only real millionaires can afford. But as we dive deeper into this episode, we will tackle how this fear-mongering is actually a distraction tactic and one that could split the world in two. So you see, as we stand at the cusp of potentially witnessing one of the most intense solar cycles in history, it's a stark reminder of our vulnerability to cosmic forces. But it also highlights the importance of not succumbing to fear and remembering that all the technology we see manifest in our world is already available to us internally. So stay tuned as we dive deeper into this topic, exploring the science behind our solar storms, the history of geomagnetic events, and how it could potentially upgrade and shift our entire consciousness on a profound spiritual level. So buckle up listeners, it's going to be a wild ride through the solar system. You're listening to It's a Sign, where unearthed secrets are just a play button away. Before we get into the science of today's topic, we just wanted to kind of discuss what's floating around the ethosphere of the world wide web and the internet, what's kind of being spoken about and talked about. And as you know from our introduction, there is a solar storm predicted to happen in 2024. All sorts of theories are popping up. And for those of you who kind of dive into the conspiracy and alternate theories of the world, we kind of begin to see a trend where certain real life events happen before they actually happen in real life. So You're in media. Yeah, so they yeah. happen in media. Like The, the biggest example would be The Simpsons. Yeah. 
Yeah, because the Simpsons predicted Trump's election. They have a bunch of different Twi things. Twin Towers. Yeah. So there's a lot of predictions there. And there's almost this theory that they have to show it to us first, you know, in order to everyone to kind of tune into that timeline. So things that we've been getting recently, and this is kind of off the back of Warner Von Braun's predictions, where he said, first, our enemy will be Russia, then it will be terrorists and third world countries. What comes next is a celestial event. And of course, after that is the alien invasion. We've been seeing all sorts of reports on UFOs, but since 2021, really, we've been, and actually for a long time, we've been getting scares or media propaganda about cataclysmic events that will hit Earth. And one of the most recent movies, um, Leave the World Behind, that aired on Netflix and went quite- A few quite, months ago. Yeah, a few Not months ago. ago and went quite viral. Funded by the Obamas in blue, the Democratic Party, you might say, um, they kind of put this movie out, and it's very interesting that it's funded by the Obamas, but they put this movie out where all of the internet goes down, and they attributed it to terrorists, but what's coming out now and what The Simpsons actually had an episode of was a solar storm. And we've looked into the science of it, and actually there's a lot of studies about a solar storm that is going, that is set to hit in 2024, either between January to October, um, which is much earlier than NASA's early 2025 predictions. Yeah, and there was that other movie a couple, a year or so ago that came out, the, the comedy, that was like a solar event. Oh, wait, you mean Don't Look Up? Yeah. Yeah, Don't Look Up was actually featuring meteors, but it was, it will definitely tie into today's topic because the government was trying to push within the movie an agenda about not looking up to the stars, you know, mm -hmm. to ignore what was happening and keep your head down. And as we go deeper, we can see that a lot of millionaires and a lot of people with money are building bunkers and planning to do just that. Well, uh, they already have the bunkers, most of them, right? Yeah. And this has been going on for years. And is it always, like, caught my attention. And I think a lot of people who, you know, are kind of sensitive to the energy of consciousness and collective consciousness they have started to move out of cities so this has been going on even before 2020 but really ramped up from 2020 on um where like hundreds of thousands of people are leaving the cities um, and then you see what happens in the cities in that film that just came out you know yeah. so yeah basically what what she's saying if is if there was some sort of event terrorist or um celestial that wiped out the internet the city is definitely not where you'd want to be because and electric possibly yeah and electric so solar storms um have the potential to release extremely high levels of electromagnetic radiation and when they hit our systems our satellites our you know infrastructure that's all reliant on technology think about it our traffic lights our bus schedules our, uh, our economy accounts. our bank accounts <laughs> everything is done electronically and internet. electronically so if we had an event that wiped that out 
Of course, the cities would be the worst place because it's a high congregation of that all kind of feeding into the technology technological matrix. Um, that's kind of what cities are designed for right now. It's to propagate industry and mainstream ec economics. So yeah, like um, we've been kind of hearing that sign for a long time, actually since COVID-19 hit. And yeah. we think COVID-19 is actually one of the first waves to test how easily people can kind of fall into subjugation and into the rules that the government set. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of discussed this in a previous episode, but COVID-19 was basically, you know, in Australia, they had camps where they would put people that were sick. In the UK, they were forced to download um, applications. If you wanted to leave the house, you had to, you know, sign in everywhere using an application. We couldn't, travel, couldn't travel if you weren't vaccinated. So it showed how they, a whole... The whole world can fall under one spell, really. Yeah. Because what we see now, a lot of the vaccinations don't even matter. We've never taken it. We've gotten COVID multiple times in our immune systems. We keep our immune systems healthy. And that is definitely enough to push back this weak flu. And that's not to, you know, go against the fact that COVID can be deadly, but it's to show that the government has enough power to really seize a lot of control when they want to, especially when it has some sort of pandemic or cataclysmic event on the horizon. Yeah, and we definitely don't want to turn anyone off with the COVID talk, but what we, I do want to bring the, the audience attention back to is the bunkers. So why are all these million and billionaires buying out these bunkers? Like this is enough for us to raise an eyebrow. What do they know that we don't know? Mm -hmm. Because who the hell wants to live or even go or hang out in an underground bunker? You don't want to do that unless you have to, unless you're forced to, right? So that is alarm bell in my eyes like why are they doing that mm. and then this is what we're seeing in this Simpson episode which again Simpson has like hundreds of predictions have come true from Simpsons including massive events um, and this is the the message of this episode they have a bunker right and they're all going into the bunker I haven't actually watched it I've just seen clips yeah. um, but that again was like was that connection with the bunkers okay so something is freaking coming up something is happening where these people feel like they need to be in a bunker and it could even it could be to literally be safe from what's happening like you know with the weather or whatever's going on here but could it also be to hide away while humanity goes into chaos because we don't have you know shops food you know basic things internet like mm. is everything gonna go chaotic and they're hiding away in there until until that passes yeah i don't know then we have the whole pop uh, population theory um of yeah. certain millionaires trying to reduce the population but this solar event we can't deny we can't deny these flares coming out of the sun you know there's crazy stuff happening that we can't just say it's you know conspiracy or spiritual nonsense or jargon okay because there's just it's there's so many different threads coming together here right yeah 
Yeah, definitely. So we do not want to instigate a state of fear. Actually, we've come here to do the opposite. What you will be fed through a lot of mainstream media will be fear, will be the notion to go underground and hide. And we're going to start covering these topics, but we're going to kind of bring about an alternative solution. What if we stayed above ground? So before we get into all of that, let's kind of discuss the science of this oncoming solar flare and solar storm. So let's get into the facts. Indian astronomers have recently issued a cautionary note regarding an impending solar storm, suggesting its potential to disrupt global internet connectivity for an extended period of time. The relationship between the sun's magnetic field and its sunspot cycle has been newly deciphered. So this is relatively groundbreaking science, offering insight into predicting solar activity peaks. Contrary to NASA's initial prediction, which we will look into later, um, of the solar maximum arriving in late 2025, a breakthrough study indicates an earlier onset in early 2024. Dr. Debarata Nandi from ISRO Calcutta, Center of Excellence in Space Science, leading the study, has pointed out the challenge in forecasting the precise impact of such solar events. However, these solar phenomena, aside from their potential disruptions, are known for generating spectacular auroras, promising a treat for aurora enthusiasts in 2024. Despite the allure of beautiful night skies, the rapid increase in sunspot activity serves as a precursor to a potential event 60 times larger than the Carrington magnitude, warranting a deeper exploration into the concerns raised by these astronomers. That's shocking, 60 times, because the Carrington event, right, it cut out all their electricity, even though they didn't have much then, you know, right. it was 18-something. Yeah. So, but they had some electrical stuff, I believe. Yeah, so and they had the, they had a telegraph system. Right. Yeah. And that got cut off. Yeah, so it was in, actually, in the late summer of 1859. The Earth experienced the most powerful geomagnetic storm on record, known as the Carrington events. Occurring between September 1st and 2nd during the 10th solar cycle, this event showcased spectacular auroral displays visible worldwide and caused significant disruptions and damages to telegraph systems across Europe and North America due to sparking and fires. Can you imagine? The, like this is this is gonna be so insane if it happens like yeah the fact that right now the only way we could ever see auroras is to go freeze our tits off <laughs> over at the top of Sweden I guess and yeah, Norway yeah. Yeah, yeah. right so it's just insane that this actually happened there was auroras covering the sky all over the world you know it wasn't even in the afternoon it was in the day but mm. like that's so crazy to think if we have something like that 60 times stronger yeah like how is this not in the mainstream news another very suspicious thing yeah so they say the storm was likely triggered by a colossal 
coronal mass ejection, which collided with Earth's magnetosphere. This interaction resulted in the extraordinary geomagnetic storm associated with a striking solar flare, observed independently by British astronomers Richard Christopher Carrington and Richard Hodgson on September 1st, making the first documented observation of a solar flare. The geomagnetic storm of 1859 stood out for its intensity and widespread impact. Ground-based magnetometers recorded one of the largest geomagnetic storms initiated by a significant coronal mass ejection that journeyed from the sun to earth in just 17.6 hours, a speed facilitated by a preceding CME that cleared the path. The associated solar flare coupled with geomagnetic effects underscored a solar terrestrial connection that had profound implications for understanding space weather. The Carrington event was characterized by extraordinary auroras extending from the poles to low latitudes around the globe, from miners in the Rocky Mountains, I live there, awakened by the aurora's glow to the residents of the northeastern United States who could read newspapers by its light. The event was a spectacle of nature's power. Can you imagine that? Can't, I mean, that sounds beautiful. Reports from various parts of the world recounted the awe-inspiring beauty and varied colors of the auroras, highlighting a rare and unforgettable visual experience. Now, the intense electromagnetic fields generated by the storm induced currents in telegraph systems, leading to widespread failures, shocks to operators, and even fires. Remarkably, some telegraph operators managed to send and receive messages without power supplies by utilizing the auroral current. That's madness. This is, un this is an unprecedented method of communication during the event offered a glimpse into the potential for electromagnetic phenomena to affect electrical systems. Now, this was in 1859, so back then we were not reliant on technology in the least. Yeah, we needed it for communication across vast distances, but we did not have everything stored there like we do today. Yeah, our most poor homes probably were still lit by candlelight. Yeah, yeah, know. it's true. We rely on electricity. We rely on the grids. We rely on the internet um, for everything, for our money, for our jobs, for our communication, for the, the entire... The locks on our doors, like some people, we live in an old house, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. the locks on your doors. Everything is controlled. Our cars. Yeah, everything nowadays is reliant on this. But one of the most interesting things that I found is that operators managed to send and receive messages utilizing the auroral current. And that is profound because as we'll get into a little bit later, we as humankind are electromagnetic beings. Yep. We have the power as well to tune in to these forces. If someone can use the currents of these, you know, auroral events, like to spark their telegraph system, what can we do to kind of spark our own consciousness yeah. and the yogis and mystics of the ancient past have known the secrets of our electromagnetic fields for a long time many of you think of chakras or certain things energetic points meridian lines the acupuncture system is kind of a woo-woo thing that you might find in a spiritual town's gas station 
but the true ancient history that has kind of been lost to the marketable um, capitalistic side and production of mindfulness and all of that things, the ancient truths hold. The yogis once saw the chakras as points within our nervous system, rising up the central column of our spine where nerve clusters come together and emit higher levels of electromagnetic force. We are all energy and vibrating strings of matter and they learned how to charge the body, how to increase the energy flow through our system to access higher human capabilities. And this was not just the yogis, but a lot of different practitioners all throughout the ancient world were able to do so. The Native Americans themselves said that they could see the spirits in the Aurora Borealis, could communicate with lost ones and beings called the sky people who lived beyond earth. So all of this is a pretty cool potential spiritually for what a solar storm could provide. And we're going to go a little bit more into it um, with a clip from a podcast that you found earlier. Yeah. So this but, was what like inspired the the episode was um, before Christmas. I listened to this interview with a psychic who's had a near death experience and has opened up their abilities and stuff and can now receive informations and predictions and stuff and we will state the name and stuff when we listen but um yeah this was the first mentioning and it just was like of this solar event right and it really hit me and i didn't even know anything else about you know the media and like what science is saying about this stuff but i just had this really strong feeling like oh my god like this feels like real and um yeah it could be a massive upgrade as trey said for us are we losing technology but upgrading our own human technology and that's a really interesting theory but did you want to dive into listening to that now no we'll get we'll do a bit more of the science we'll get into it a bit later but i just wanted to bring it up so it's floating around yeah it's worth sticking around for just to hear what he has to say because um if it does happen, it, it kind of gives you a choice whether you want to go on an awakening path, like a path that's away from, you know, the control and the fear, or you can go down that more relying on technology path that is, you know, very vulnerable, in mm. my opinion. Yeah. Especially, like, if we're going to lose the internet for weeks to a year, yeah. um, then that's a very vulnerable system. Wouldn't you rather be empowered in your own human system? Mm. And, you know, it's possible to, you know, we're... He said we're likely, when this happens, to get instant upgrades. And one of those being something Trey touched on, where we're able to communicate without cell phone devices across the world with each other. Yeah. Um, and that is something I wanted to talk about because um, before yeah, we, we go further, the technology that we see in our world that we rely so heavily on that we, you know, we need, we need to be in contact with our family, our friends, our loved ones, you know, through FaceTime or whatever. Um, we see this as modern progress 
and we see the ancient world less technologically advanced. Some see it when we regard the pyramids as, oh, maybe we did lose some ancient technology. But the truth about ancient technology is that it was not external like we have developed. It was an internal technology. Still to this day, tribes within Australia speak of something called dream talk. And this dream talk allows chiefs and shamans and anyone who is able to access this state of mind called the dream time to communicate with other tribes in vast like across vast distances. Yogis have said that once you upgrade your centers, um, you can communicate through the mind telepathically using your Agnya Chakra, which is your third eye. And I know this is getting kind of out there, <laughs> but I'm trying to tell you that we have this communication. You know, the Native Americans even believe that growing long hair and having these things were extensions of the nervous system, help, ways to help um, connect deeper into nature. And there was also a saying that we used to speak the language of the world, that all the world spoke one language. And this is what I think is this telepathic communication. Humans have this capability. Have you ever gotten a phone call just as you thought about the person? Wait, have you ever thought about a person and then <laughs> two seconds later they call you? It's not a coincidence. Have you ever had a dream of a relative dying and then it happens? These things that we kind of pass off as coincidence are real phenomena and our government has studied it. So the CIA has run a number of experiments, one of them being an astral projection sort of experiment. And I have documents for that. Um, you can look those up and I will try and provide a link to it. But there was a whole project where the CIA began investigating astral projection phenomena and training a bunch of CIA operatives to be able to astral project. A more, a more known one is remote viewing. Yeah, and I actually really want us to do, I discussed this with you recently about doing an, an episode on that for the YouTube channel here because we started our show with audio only. Yeah. And we still have like tons of episodes. I swear we have what, like 20 to 30 episodes mm. um, that are audio only before we started here on YouTube. But we feel like we've really like found our audience here on youtube and you guys have missed out on a lot of really cool topics we covered in the earlier episodes so i was thinking we've got to we recently watched a documentary that touched on these kind of experiments that the government's doing and um, these like psychic abilities basically and i really want us to do another episode on that so let us know if you're interested in that in the comments mm. and we're probably going to do that episode soon where we can sort of dive into because before you found out loads of really interesting stuff when you dived into yeah. the government records yeah and remote viewing is something that's been happening um it actually was first developed in russia and they the u.s found that a lot of their messages were being intercepted knowledge of their bases and stuff that they weren't communicating over radio and it found out that there was this whole remote viewing of basically russian psychic spies it sounds completely out there, but it's real. And the US government decided to make a counteractive force and started developing their own remote viewing spies to 
you know, do the exact same thing to their enemies. And so we have within our government already psychic, um, whole psychic institutions dedicated to increasing kind of the mind's capabilities. So we know there that since there's been a lot of funding into that, that there is a success there. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, but let's continue on, shall we? Yeah. So the solar cycle is an approximately 11-year period of magnetic field fluctuations on the sun, and it influences solar surface activities, including sunspots. These spots resulting from the sun's magnetic fields tangling serve as indicators of solar activity level. The cycle moves from a solar minimum marked by a few sunspots to a solar maximum, which is where we are today and what is predicted for 2024. And this is characterized by an abundance of sunspots before returning back to a minimum. Historical data done by Swiss astronomer Max Waldmeier um, aid in predicting the cycle's intensity. Using the Waldmeier effect, which correlates the speed of sunspots increase with the cycle's strength. Indian researchers have unveiled a novel method to predict the solar maximum more accurately, leveraging historical data from global solar observatories. This method focuses on the relationship between the sun's dipole magnetic field and the sunspot cycle progression. As the cycle advances, the dipole field weakens, reaching a nadir at the cycle's peak which then leads to a magnetic field reversal. This groundbreaking approach suggests that upcoming solar maximum will occur earlier than NASA's prediction, potentially in early 2024, with significant implications for global internet infrastructure due to intense solar flares. Current solar activity levels, as reported by the Royal Observatory in Belgium, have surged, recording the highest sunspot numbers in over two decades. This indicates a more active solar cycle than anticipated, underscoring the need for further research to understand the sun's internal processes and prepare for potential impacts on our technological infrastructure. As we stand on the brink of possibly experiencing one of the most intense solar cycles in history, it's kind of a stark reminder of our susceptibility to the forces of our nearest star. NASA has developed a model utilizing artificial intelligence to analyze spacecraft measurements of the solar wind and predict where an impending solar storm will strike anywhere on earth with 30 minutes of advance warning that's not a lot of time especially if you're in a city this and could that's why you might need a bunker <laughs> yeah it could provide just enough time to prepare for these storms and prevent severe impacts on power grids and other critical infrastructures. So maybe there's a chance to not have the whole internet come down if they turn it off beforehand? I don't know. But the sun is constantly shedding solar material into space, both in a steady flow known as the solar wind and in shorter, more energetic bursts from solar eruptions. When this solar material strikes Earth's magnetic environment, it sometimes creates these geomagnetic storms. And the impacts of these magnetic storms can range from mild to extreme. But in a world increasingly dependent on technology, their effects are growing even more disruptive, which is why we need to reduce our reliance on them. There was another destructive solar storm in 1989, and this caused electrical blackouts across Quebec for 12 hours. 
plunging millions of Canadians into dark and closing schools and businesses. If the Carrington event happened today, it would have even more severe impacts such as widespread electrical disruptions, persistent blackouts, and interruption to global communications. Such technological chaos could cripple economies and endanger the safety and livelihood of people worldwide. So we've already explored several compelling signs of an increased solar influence on our planet. Surprisingly, these phenomena persist even in the absence of significant solar activity. The root cause lies in the weakening of Earth's protective magnetic shield. We've observed this phenomenon in the ionosphere and atmosphere. However, last year, the auroras provided a clear indicator of this weakening. So let's take a look at a summary of events from late 2023, and we'll delve into the significance of the latest evidence we've obtained. The aurora displays have become uncontrollable, a remarkable development given the surreal times we find ourselves in. Curiously, mainstream media remains conspicuously silent on the issue. In 2003, an October solar superstorm produced auroras visible in low latitude regions, even reaching the southernmost states. Such occurrences are rare and require significant factors, including intense X-class solar flares, high-speed uh, coronal mass ejections colliding with Earth, and severe geomagnetic storms. These southernmost state aurora sightings also dated back to the Carrington event of 1859. And there are events that occurred within the same solar cycle, and they seem to be becoming more frequent over time even as light pollution makes them increasingly challenging to observe. This trend strongly suggests that Earth's aurora displays are becoming more extreme despite the absence of record-breaking solar activity. This aligns with our expectations as Earth's magnetic field weakens during its ongoing excursion and pole shift, which occurred between 2018 and 2020. In 2023, we've witnessed several aurora events. In September, a solar storm, although not significant magnitude and lacking an extreme speed shockwave or X-class solar flare, still made the aurora visible in Arizona. And a similar occurrence took place in August, again with no X-class flare and a moderately strong solar wind. In April, the storm was fairly strong. It lacked a mega CME or X-class flare, yet the aurora graced Mexico and southern Texas with its presence. It's crazy. Like Texas and Arizona and yeah. Mexico to see those. Yeah. We've never witnessed aurora sightings in the southernmost states as frequently as we have in 2023. And what's more alarming is that these geomagnetic storms have not reached their maximum disruption potential yet, and the solar activity responsible for triggering them has been moderate at best. This undeniable evidence underscores Earth's increasing vulnerability to solar activity, which we can't ignore. Unfortunately, despite the mounting evidence, mainstream media continues to disregard these alarming developments. The magnetic pole shift and geomagnetic excursion are progressing steadily. And as NASA's now predicted and the Indian astronomers, um, 2024 could face the loss of our modern technology. For those of us who rely on technology, it could be dire times and disheartening to see these crucial issues overshadowed by other global concerns in the public discourse. 
The evidence is everywhere from changes in the magnetic field to the polar motion, ionosphere, atmosphere, and now the astonishing aurora records that have been recently broken. All of these signs point to significant challenges ahead for our planet and humanity as a whole. And since we are it's a sign, we will follow these signs and take them to heart. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel that prepared for it, but it's just gotta do what you gotta do. So friends, as the sun gears up for its grand spectacle this year, the impending solar storm isn't just a celestial event, it's a catalyst for a profound shift in consciousness. This extraordinary phenomenon is poised to offer humanity a unique opportunity for spiritual and cognitive upgrade, illuminating the path for those who choose to embrace the light and remain above ground. Meanwhile, those who seek refuge below the surface may find themselves disconnected from this transformative experience. We are about to listen to a podcast um, that you found um, and that is the, it is a podcast called Spirit Speakers. I will link that down in the bio. And it is a Q&A with Vincent Tolman. But he has predictions, yeah, so he just has some really interesting predictions that really rang, ra like resonated with me. So I thought it would be interesting to share this given a different perspective on the spiritual side of this. Yeah, so, Basically, for the souls that are brave enough to stand under the open sky during this solar event in 2024, we will get more than a display of auroras. It's a gateway to heightened awareness and potentially enlightenment. This intense burst of solar energy is believed to carry with it the potential to enhance our intuitive abilities and deepen our connection with the cosmos. As the electromagnetic waves wash over the planet, they will interact with our magnetic spheres that are in human consciousness in ways that will foster a greater understanding of our place in the cosmos and our interconnectedness with all living things. Okay, so let's just go in and listen to the excerpt with Vincent Tolman on the Spirit Speaker podcast to see what they have to say. A little bit. So right before the grand solar event, essentially we're gonna go into a phase of energetic imprisonment. And we're just coming up on that phase right now. Uh, some people saw that part of what I was seeing and they felt like that must have been COVID, that must have been the shutdowns. Uh, and they're correct, but the, not, not the correct ones. We're actually going to go into a much more severe shutdown, uh, much more worldwide. And as that happens, there's going to be a separation of society. There's going to be a society that decides to live inside the cage of fear. And there's going to be a big part of society who says, I'm not going to live inside fear anymore. And they're going to step outside fear. We're even going to see people moving like moving states, moving cities, because they don't want to dwell in, in the space of fear. And that's coming up very, very soon, like anywhere between next week to within the next year or so. So it's definitely coming. Um, 
within the next little bit, I saw it completely solidifying and completing by around 2025. But the, the hard part is, is spirit doesn't understand dates. There's no such thing as time to spirit. So even though they give me certain gauges and certain abilities to know time, um, there is no time. And watch the news all day. Under COVID was like the warm up. Um, this is going to be the real thing. Um, second thing that's going to happen this is, it. is around uh, ver- within within a couple of years of this caging of fear that happens on the Earth. There will be a solar event, a grand solar event, and we talked about that already. So, uh, you know, this grand solar event is going to come. It's going to affect the entire planet. There's going to be powers that say that people need to hide and get away from this event. Uh, but this event is something that, from my perspective, is something that you want to embrace. It's something that you want to go and 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 see in person for yourself. Uh, so as this happens, to me, it looks like a grand CME or a coronal mass ejection that's going to happen on Earth. And to me, it lo- also looks like uh, the northern lights, but it's going to happen during the day, in the middle of the day, over the entire planet. Um, all, the entire planet that has the sun facing and even the, the moon facing side, it's going to completely envelop the planet in this um, raining rainbow, almost like the rainbow bridge is going to touch Earth. And as it does this, um, those who are hiding away, they won't be affected at all. They're just, they're going to go into their cage of fear. They're not going to be affected whatsoever. Uh, they're going to hide out for a day or two as it happens and then come back out and be normal. But those who embrace it, they will be getting instant upgrades instant upgrades and these upgrades are going to be numerous many of them are almost like an esp or a direct communication with other people that also were in the upgrade it's going to feel like you can communicate to each other without cell phones like you don't need technology anymore and it's going to be a direct connection through light through the love energy the love frequency and It's going to be extremely powerful for those who are out in the event. The hard part is, is for those who were not in the event, they're going to see us who were out inside the, you know, out out in the sun for this event. They're going to see us as crazy and as weirdos and and see us as uh, extreme. And we're, we're going to pull up roots wherever we live. And we're going to start gathering in different locations across the planet. There's going to be specific holy places in high places. Uh, specifically. Yeah. So that resonated with us quite yeah. a lot. Um, do you want to talk a bit about it? Yeah, it, I definitely suggest listening to the whole podcast because the whole podcast is basically about this whole event. Yeah. Um, and he, he sort of dives in deeper to how you can be on the people who are involved in the event. It's it's more than just stepping out in the event. You know, we need to be stepping up our spiritual game. Right. Um, but 
but like all the sort of signs of the kind of people who who are not going to be and and you're going to see this split happen and this to me feels like you know we've been hearing about this for years in the community about the, the split right um and it always just felt like yeah that's never going to happen but this if this event happens it this is like a to me like a realistic approach to the 5d awakening if you know what i mean like it's not the 5d awakening but it's a to me oh i can actually see a split happening this way and especially since um covid we had you know i experienced that split like being the weirdo that's you know doesn't trust everything the news tells me um and you know like him stating again that the people who stay out in the event and are like have this new awakening and these new abilities are going to be seen as the weirdos like it's no surprise really right and he does actually go on to say that they the split off will sort of happen and the people who carry on who didn't go to the event they they will kind of end up forgetting about us you know um and staying in that box and where i'm seeing those guys go is uh, he didn't mention it but i'm seeing them it's if you look at like snowden's theory about where the government's trying to take society where you know you don't own your home you don't really leave your home you're just glued to your device all day living on universal income and just you know you're not really being a human on earth anymore at this point Mm. you're in your own comfortable prison Mm. and i think that's how it will look it will be people in their comfortable prisons and then the people uh, nothing to do with that side of society yeah i see it um in the grander arc of our human evolution because right now we are very much at the precipice of merging with technology at least that potential and i think this is the negative deviant timeline for humanity we have the opportunity to evolve organically we already have all these abilities that technology grants us we can stare through windows of time and space using our mind You know, our mind is so much greater than the body we inhabit. It is truly like on a cosmic scale. We and then if we begin to merge with machine, we will eliminate our organic potential for evolution. And if we're doing that, we're, you know, we're basically placing humanity in the hands of artificial intelligence in in the form of inorganic matter. Um, in like, you know, synthesized materials, technologies, artificial bodies, you'll start to see the rise of chips and implants and, um, you know, downloading your consciousness onto devices to live eternally within a synthetic body. So you can, you can go through, that's one timeline. And then the other is this organic timeline where humanity has a profound connection with nature, the universe. We can speak to one another through minds telepathically. Um, it's a technology we've had. It's, our, it's in our blood. It's in our ancestry. This, there's still people in the world that are 
using and harnessing this technology. I went to a Native American kind of um, music gathering where there was a lot of Native American, you know, drummers and speakers. And one of the speakers there told, was giving a discussion on astral projection and how they were teaching their children to astral project at the age of eight. And this is a system designed to traverse the entire cosmos, you know, with an astral body, a spirit body. We have so much potential and I have seen firsthand what astral projection and that it's possible, you know. And so all of these things that technology will offer us, that the mainstream will offer us as conveniences or potential enhancements to our life, we already can achieve that. We have to stop going outwards and start going inwards. And this metaphor that he um, he brings up is a collective journey. And it will distinguish those who are ready to embrace the sun and the kind of evolution, organic evolution. And those who want to remain hidden and trapped in fear and you know, kind of stay consumed and keep themselves boxed up. Yeah. And then who will be left? Will it be us and the crazy Christians? <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm joking. No offense to Christians. But, you know, that's the, the thing with the, the mainstream. They're just like, oh, those bloody crazy Christians who, you know, don't believe in the jab and are prepping. But also... I do want to touch on the fact that although like I have this feeling of I don't feel prepared, right? And I do have this like, oh my God, I want to prep. But at the same time, is that not, is that living in another box of fear? So it's really like hard work to eliminate fear. Yeah. Um, But I do think those people who are, you know, the key keepers is you know people who intuitively are already moving their lives over the last few years um to prepare for this event and that will be people if you look around you'll probably know someone who left the city you know this is happening everywhere people are just having this internal knowing and it's really just a download for people who came here to step into that reality because we lose humanity, you know, on the other timeline that Trey says, when we start mixing with AI, becoming cyborgs, and it's just, you know, we're losing humanity. So this is why it's such a big event. Like, it has to happen now because of how quickly AI is progressing and how people are moving forward with technology. That's why it feels, like, so sudden. Like, you know, we're just being... It's one thing after another. COVID, aliens, solar event. Like, (laughs) it's all kicking off right now. And it is because you know spiritually there is this kind of like a spiritual war if you look at it from a human perspective but it's like you know we do this now or we've missed our chance and a lot of us know we came here you know there's so many people here right now on earth and they're all here 
for what's happening in our lifetimes. Yeah, and if you think about just even a computer program and, or a video game or something like that, there is it's never just put out and left forever. There's upgrades, you know, patches that are coming through. You know, the developers will in, input patches to improve the game, reduce bugs and stuff like that. And that's kind of what our cosmos does with us as well. There is... A theory in Hindu mythology called the yugas and these are these big cycles of time and we are you know currently in the Kali Yuga which is a dark age and you can see that as we're losing touch with what it means to be human and trying to merge with machine you can see it in the wars and everything that's kind of going on in this age right now but we are on the upward cycle and so it's kind of expected that there are going to be shifts in consciousness. If we look through history, we have a step ladder consciousness, which means that consciousness does not have a steady progression on a line or a curve. Consciousness actually comes in big waves. So if we look at history and I'll pull up a graph, there will be you know, a kind of flatline and then a sudden jump in consciousness where knowledge, you know, tools, everything is increased and then it will stay kind of stagnant at that, at that spot for a while before another jump comes. And that's why it's called a stepladder conscious evolution because unlike before in kind of traditional theory, there isn't a steady curve of evolution. And kind of, you know, we've seen through people like Graham Hancock and his ancient apocalypse that our ancestors were actually way more advanced that we, than what we might think. And I want to bring this back because the technology of the ancients was an internal technology. The yogis developed thousands of years of practices and theoretical philosophy to increase your energy capability within your body and produce powers that might be seen as supernatural. You know, there's all sorts of cases throughout all of history and through the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Sumerians um, that are speaking of such events. So really remember, this is kind of a call to remember that there are infinite resources out there for you to remember your capabilities and to tap back into that. I learned how to astral project in one month watching YouTube videos. It's really possible, you know, to achieve. And our natives even were able to synthesize um, medicinal brews, potions to enhance our consciousness like ayahuasca or um, they knew how to tap in with mycelium and the psychoactive components within um, mushrooms. And those all are all give you access to this heightened state of consciousness that we're looking towards. And you but know, you don't need them. And I think this is the idea that we're even beyond that kind of definitely. thing. I feel like those medicines were more used when we stepped out of our knowing of who we are more to come back to it but I'm sure like there was a point where we just naturally had all these abilities organically and we didn't even need substances yeah. you know who knows because some say it was you know the 
like the first person in the stoned ape hypothesis by Terence McKenna says that, you know, we ate the mushrooms and that's how we upgraded our consciousness. Um, others say that potentially it's cosmic stardust that found its way onto Earth and developed into a microorganism for us to get a window into the world beyond. Mm. You never know. Um, a lot of shamans still use it to this day in rituals and stuff like that. But this is a form of ancient technology. It's connecting your mind to the dark matter grid. You know, the infinite and dark matter, I don't mean in a bad term. It's just that invisible network that makes up 99% of space. You know, the thing that we think is nothingness or void. There's actually um, a vast neural space network. And that's kind of what you're tapping into and tuning into. And the practices of the yogis and a lot of spiritual traditions teach you how to do that without the window of the, you know, medicinal plant. Um, mm. But at the same time, those can help to tap in. I was looking through some of the comments on some of the solar storm and flare like content. And it is interesting to see, you know, how a lot of people were preparing for this so like mm. one thing i thought was interesting i saw someone write in the comments was make sure you have paper copies of how to make things how to produce things manuals books with information that could be lost if we lose the internet and so printing out as much information of things maybe even like <laughs> recipes like your favorite recipes and things if right. we cook all our stuff from pinterest and imagine you got a year without the internet <laughs> um so like that sort of stuff is really important what if we lose everything that's on the internet so getting copies of stuff Stuff. even having entertainment if you don't have entertainment at home anymore you know making sure you have tons of pens and paper to to write your own stuff and or books to read um, and then do you have supplies to survive do you live in an environment that is supportive to you surviving this maybe if you live in the city you know you that's going to be difficult maybe you can get an allotment or something um but like there's so much to explore with that whole idea of if we lose power if we lose internet mm. what's going to happen and with something like this on the horizon that's saying this is a very likely possibility it's actually quite amazing to me that we're not all getting together globally and figuring out preparations for this. The only people who are figuring out preparations for this seem to be the millionaire and billionaires buying up bunkers, um, which I think people, you know, if you're probably already watching this, then you already know, but people really need to start thinking about that. And the mm. kind of people who are doing this are people who are running the corporations that, you know, completely control our lives. We we couldn't eat if we wasn't going to these corporate supermarkets. It's a real, it's a real deep hole we've dug ourselves into with this one. And I do, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just being honest. Um, I'm in it as much as everyone else, but just thinking about that stuff and, and who's 
you know, whose hands are everybody's lives in right now? Um, and what are they doing? Not a lot. So yeah, just something worth thinking about and what could you do just to feel better about being prepared for this situation? Yeah, I mean, regardless of what happens, I mean, I, I kind of started when you were talking, thought about like, you know, never bite the hand that feeds you. You know, that kind of like ominous warning and like, who is the hand that feeds us, right? And how reliant is it on technology as well? Like everything from shipping orders to stock to, you know, um, everything is done electronically. Uh, so I think gro- learning how to grow your own food um, is yeah. going to be very important. Um, Having enough seeds. The thing is, is how do you even trade if we don't have internet banking or if our money is tied up? Both of our jobs are on the internet. Like, it's we're not not as in this as everyone else. Like, we're not coming at it like, we're sorted, guys. Wish you best of luck. Like, we're here with everyone else just thinking, like, why are we not talking about this? Why are we not coming together over this? And... We're just being left in the dark. But like I said, the people in the bunkers, they're not in the dark because they wouldn't be preparing in this way if they was. Right. Yeah. So kind of riding the wave back up. Um, Remember to take this time as an opportunity to see, okay, how can I increase my human potential if this solar flare does hit Earth as predicted Um, Am I ready for all technology to fail? And what tools do I have at my my disposal that aren't, you know, reliant on this technology? And those tools could include meditation, fasting, you know, deep states of ground. Yeah, all those things could be very helpful in this time. And we've kind of seen an insurgence of these ancient practices coming back to the present moment and don't get caught in the headspace um, commercialism of it and try and find the true esoteric teachings at the core of all of it. You know, you don't need to be going to your kundalini yoga class and spending $60 on a pendulum that's worth 10. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why. <laughs> that's obviously anyway, something. Maybe not. <laughs> that's obviously something that was in my past. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I see awesomeness in this cosmic event, Um, you know, but I'm a sci-fi writer, so I always see awesomeness in cosmic events. And, you know, it reminds me of the legend of Korra, where there's the cosmic convergence, where she was able to access an extreme state of power, you know, and defeat a dark spirit of chaos. Yeah. So all of those who stay outside and watch the solar flare incur, remember, let go of fear in your heart, accept the change, accept evolution organically. We are moving towards a brighter future as long as we stick to our humanity and yeah, that's about it. We'll I think we'll see you next time, guys. Yeah. Thanks for watching, guys. This has been so interesting, so fun. Like even though it's kind of a 
scary topic and very real and very happening right now mm. um but i don't think it will be the last time we touch on this uh, especially if more information comes out and we might do an update because this is something that is so current um, but let us know your thoughts on this. What are you planning to do? Are you going to go underground when the event comes or are you going to stay out and watch it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let us know. And let us know if you also want some shorter form content. Especially I was thinking, you know, episode, episodic releases of your potential. Ancient superpowers that you could learn right now as we're preparing for the 2024 solar storm. <laughs> yeah, definitely go back and check out our yogic powers episode. Yeah. yeah, and I can dive more in depth in, you know, shorter episodes, you know, maybe 10 minutes on unique superpowers that you can pick up. Yeah. Anyways, peace to the next generation and to the rainbow bridge that will carry us into the fifth dimension. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good one, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.